Hello and welcome to episode nine of the podcast this season. Welcome back, Dan. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, Ollie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Not too bad. So this is Saturday evening, 23rd. Not sure when people might listen to this in this mini window before Christmas. So if it's before Christmas, I hope you have a nice Christmas. If it's after Christmas, I hope you enjoyed your Christmas. Um, and welcome back on the podcast, Chris. Good to be here, Ollie. Thanks very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, I love this time of year, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. You guys both got kids a little bit older than me. Benji's getting into it. He knows that Santa's coming. He's bringing in presents. I, we said it a few times now, Benji, what do you want the dog to get for Christmas? And every time he says cake. So he really wants the dog to get cake for Christmas. Where does he get this from, Ollie? I think we both, me and my wife, must like cake. <laughs> I'm trying to sound fat. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, no, which is fair enough. There's nothing wrong with liking yeah. cake. Mm. No, exactly. So what we're going to talk about today so we're talking about um, a couple of results obviously we've only had three games since uh, this is actually what we planned to do when we were going to do um, more or i don't know three weeks three games whatever we wanted to do the podcast in a bit more periodic style so we'll talk about the results we'll talk about some themes we'll talk about christmas and we, we're finally close enough to talk about the january transfer window so let's talk a little about that and we can talk about chris's christmas wishes as well so we'll come on to that as well um, so thanks um, guys for joining me um, and let's jump into it well as Ollie says there's been three games since we last convened and I'm guessing if you'd have said to me before these three games we were going to end up with a win and two defeats, I probably would have accepted that as a fair cop. Um, we were playing, obviously, two sides that are at the top of the table, and we were playing Wickham, the first of the three games, a side who I probably thought were going to be near the top of the table, but who are really are really struggling, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say they're in free fall, but they're, they're definitely going the wrong way quite quickly. So um, given our traditionally bad record at Wickham, I didn't travel with a great deal of optimism although of course we did manage to win there on a uh, on a piping hot day last year um this time round it was i think most of the time fans were in pretty positive mood the away support generally is you know if you're going to trek around a country you, you, you following your team you generally go there with a, at least a modicum of positivity but of course that didn't mean we were expecting free flowing football we didn't get it um, we had uh, very little possession, one shot on target, scored one goal, one one nil. Dictionary definition of a smash and grab. A debate we ha we had on the pod last year as to what exactly one of those is. I'm pretty sure it happened at Wickham a couple of weeks back, and I think it was a a pretty well organised smash and grab. The Wickham fans, and I know a few of them living down here in in the southeast, were um, pretty despondent going into the game. But I looked at their side and I see. I see Keo at the back. He's played a good standard of football. I see Vokes up front on, on the bench coming on. He's played a very good standard of football, Sam Vokes. Um, McCleary, um, a proper player. And I, I think they can't they can't really be as bad as their rep. And I wouldn't say they were awful, um, but they they didn't they definitely didn't know how to break us down. And um, I said to Benny Harvey, who I was standing next to, that Luke Lee is a great man to have in your midfield when you want to break things up when you want to win the ball and when you want to pass it sideways. He's not a great man to have in your team when you want to create something. And it's not that he did much wrong, but left, right, left, right. And um, they, they never really 
looked like they were going to going to break us apart. So uh, it was a fantastic day for me. It was pretty, pretty close where I live. Um, I thought we, we we got to it very professionally and um, and thoroughly deserved the smash and grab three points that we got in the sense that the aim was to play exactly that way and we fulfilled the plan. Did it look like that to you, Ollie? I know you watched it um, on iFollow. Yeah, it's 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 our style of play works well or it's much more comfortable watching or it's a lot easier to kind of get along with it when you're playing Wickham away, who, as you say, you know, we've got a decent budget in this division um, and got some decent players in, the, in their team as well. And it was, it was perfect game for Shrewsbury Town. We were defended deep, um, Aaron Pierre, Dunkley heading away, everything. Um, they played to our strengths. Um, and as you said, I don't think they really got that dynamic midfielder, um, certainly different to what we saw this Saturday and last Saturday as well, um, in terms of ability to, to kind of break sides down. And if you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get promotion or get in the playoffs, you need those that kind of extra that X factor that's gonna get you over the line. So yeah, um, Wickham's always a funny one. Um, it's also a, a set of fan base that seem to have a, a few followers and often get a bit of ribbon when we lose. And it's very quiet after this game. Um, and I did quite like it as well because Wickham were quite cheeky let's say when they did a picture of Leahy um and um and and Phillips is coming I've got the wrong right surname there um when they signed them and they said you know Shrewsbury Town's player and young player of the season um and it, I thought it was quite sweet to to get one over on, on over Wickham it, all in good jest um but it is quite interesting because of course that player of the year was brilliant in a team that were fighting tooth and nail to stay up and yeah he's a set piece he absolutely yeah. yeah. he is a really good player he seems like a really lovely lad um, apparently he's really upset when he left Shrewsbury. He seems a genuine, like a really nice guy, really good kid. Um, Came over he, to the fans at the end. He, yeah, I'm he, sure he did. He did. A of it, but just to, he can you still know. take the mick out of someone and, and also admire them at the same time. Yeah. He seems like a really good pro. You know, he's worked, he was fantastic for Shrewsbury. He's been like nine goals from penalties, amazing at set pieces. Um, like he's, yeah, like you say, he's a, he's a shuffler. He get the ball moving, but he ain't a number 10. Uh, and that's not really his strength. So, yeah, I, I do like Lee, Luke Leahy, and I think he's a good player. And I have no qualms if, you know, if we signed him again. Um, yeah. It's on a bit, but it's unlikely to happen. Um, well, so, yeah, we can know what, it's, they had McCleary on the bench. And I know he's 35, but, I mean, and there may be a story there. He may have been injured. He may have been not fit, may have been under the weather. But when I saw him come on, I thought that that's the problem. He, he, he's a creative footballer who would be a good player, at Portsmouth or at Peterborough, but it, it, it didn't quite work for him. He only had 20 minutes at the end. And of course, we had then about 150 people behind the ball. But I was much more worried about his impact than, than it was anybody else. And I couldn't quite work out why I was on the bench. So there may be a, a local story there that I wasn't aware of. Chris, what did you make of it? You, you watched it too, right? I did watch it. I watched it on uh, iFollow like Ollie. And to be honest, I was, I was rather discombobulated by the whole thing, Dan, to be honest, because we've got like the worst away record in the entire division. Let's. We came into this game with two away goals all season. And I know what you say about Wickham being tailor-made for us and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, with hindsight, I entirely agree. But if I'm honest, I sat in front of my TV that night and thoroughly expected to get uh, to that afternoon, sorry, and thoroughly expected to watch us lose because we've lost pretty much every other away game this season. And if it wouldn't, Wickham would not have been top of my fixture list for one to change that. So it was, to me, a bonus three points and a much-needed three points. And... Yeah, it left us, I think, didn't that take us into the top half of the table or keep us in the top half of the table at the time anyway? We were sitting, I think, in 11th place after that game and the whole thing felt a bit surreal to me because it hasn't felt like we're watching a top half team this season at times. And 
and yet that's what the table was telling us. And I know teams have got games in hand, but you know, points on the board is what it's about after all. And we had those points. And yeah, and it was a great goal as well from Taylor Perry. He hit it like an absolute rocket. And uh, he's got that in him, hasn't he? Because he scored a scorcher as well. Uh, I think it was at Leeds early in the season in the Cup. Uh, took his goal well as well at Cambridge. He scored two of our three league away goals now. So, you know, suddenly Taylor Perry's becoming a bit of a goal threat for us, if you can ha- if you can call a team with three away goals a goal threat. But, yeah. I think Taylor the key Perry thing is, Chris, well. he, he, he takes it early. The ball drops and he shoots. I mean, Jermaine Defoe once famously said the key to scoring goals is shooting just that little split second before people expect you to because they're not quite in the position to deal with it. And Perry, too, is, I mean, it, it was a super goal. It just dropped and, he, and there was no way on earth that the keeper was getting it. Um, and he did it at Cambridge. The Cambridge one was the one I remember because that was a very similar set of circumstances, you know, under the kosher bit and he managed to score. So um, lot, lots to be positive about. But I would say... Now, this might be controversial. It's the first time in, in certainly in quite a while that we're recording on the day of a game. Um, we've lost two home games. None of us are overjoyed at having no points from six. But the first 45 minutes against Portsmouth, had we got to half time, we're not a million miles away from what I witnessed at Wickham, other than Portsmouth were clearly a better team. But of course, uh, we didn't get to half time. And we went in 1-0 down and lost. Now, Ollie, what, what did you make of that one? You were at that game. I wasn't. I was watching on, on iFollow. Um did you always see it going that way? Yeah. They're yeah, a good team. Just, I, I'll give that. that they impressed yeah, me. They, they, are, they are the best team we've seen. We've seen everyone now. Um, they're the best team in League One. League table suggests that's correct. Um, they are very well organised. They are... I always find that the, the teams that are successful... Remember we saw Derby County last year when they had... Um, is it Rossinia, who's now at Hull as their manager? And they were tippy-tappy, passing the ball around... You know, goalkeeper like standing almost on the halfway line, tempting us to press. And I don't, I haven't really seen a team play that style and get out of League One. The teams that are good in League One, so I'm thinking Plymouth, Ipswich, Sunderland, um, and probably this Pompey side, have the ability to pass the ball, have the ability to play, you know, nice triangles, as you were talking about, Dan, you know, what Wickham struggled with, do those intricate passing. But also they know how to get the ball forward fast and a direct and have threats and all over the pitch. And for me, that was Pompey. Their two midfielders in central of the park absolutely ran the show. Um, really well organized, very, very good side. And yeah, I think Chris, would you say they're probably the best team you've seen this season? Yeah, they were terrific, weren't they? They could knock the ball around, opened us up at will. And at the same time, they didn't really make many mistakes. They didn't offer us too many opportunities. We got into promising positions one or two occasions, but we rarely looked like opening them up. Now, you could say some of that is down to us and our own failings, but I think a lot of it was down to how strong they are as a side. I do agree with what Dan says that, you know, with that game, we were there, we were almost there to half time at nil nil. You get to half time at nil nil against Portsmouth and you'd have thought you'd have done really well. And that sucker punch comes in the first minute. Well, it was the last kick of the first half. It was just beyond the minute, wasn't it? They'd said a minute of injury time and that was just beyond it. So I think Taylor was quibbling that in his post match interview saying, should the corner. It's a minimum of one minute, Chris. It's not. I was going to. Dan, give me a chance. I was just going to say, I don't don't agree with Taylor on that. And I agree with you on that. Yeah, unfortunately, he can say what he likes. It's a minimum of, and we were talking 10, 15 seconds over. So I don't think we've we've really got a case there. And, you know, it was down to us to defend it better. But it's a shame because we got that close. And and 1-0 down, psychologically conceding at that point, it was then a really long way back. 
and this there was a stat about Portsmouth and I, I this is still the case after today as well so you have to go back to 2018 to find the last time that Portsmouth uh, didn't win a game that they were leading at half time I mean that's remarkable really if they're ahead at half time they win that's what the stats say o- over a period of five years so at nil nil who knows you've got a chance at one nil down suddenly the stats tell you you're probably going to lose that game and unfortunately we, we never looked like in the second half opening them up they came and yeah they picked us off didn't they scored two more goals at ease and it could have been more and that's a concern for me actually that sometimes this season we have folded in games and you know our goal difference tells you that there's a problem there we've lost three nil three or four times now several two nil defeats not enough close games one thing the style of football isn't that different to last year in that we are you know we're not we're low block side trying to hot contain sides I think last year we were just frankly that little bit better at it because we didn't we didn't lose games 3-0 very often last year. There were one or two occasions. Obviously, we went down by six at Charlton, but it was a rarity. Whereas this season, sadly, it's a little bit too much of a regularity that when we when we go behind, it carries on. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've lost. Um, we've lost by a number of goals a number of times. We've had at least three 3-0 defeats. Um, and I think also, didn't we lose 4-0 to Barnsley? Um, and we'd lost shit to quite a few. No, we lost 2-0 to Barnsley, 4-0 to Blackpool, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, um, it was not... Yeah, we've conceded quite a lot of goals, and you're right, Chris. You know, when our heads drop or we lose, we we don't really seem to have the, I don't know, the confidence or the conviction the thing that we're going to come back. And if you then think about, obviously, the game we've just watched today on Saturday um, against, um, against Peterborough, um, we never looked like scoring. We scored from a, a cross. It was a cross. I'm sure it was a cross from Shipley. Went into the back of the net, and we had a we had a lucky break. Um, and but I don't know, Chris. Did you ever? Did you think we were gonna win the game when we? I didn't think. Certainly didn't feel like I didn't feel like we were gonna win the game when we were winning one nil. I thought maybe we could hold on and get a draw. Um, yeah. But also, so, to be fair, a couple I'm not of things really about- too surprised that we actually lost the game in the end couple of things about this game, I suppose, today. Uh, I'm saying today for our list on the Saturday, on the day of the game. Uh, but uh, Peterborough were also, let's be clear, a really good side. They knocked the ball about with the same sort of confidence and the same sort of swagger as Portsmouth, to be honest. They did that really well. What they did also do is they would sometimes make mistakes, especially at the back. They were, they were, they were giving the ball away and just offering us a sniff. And in the first 10 or 15 minutes of that game, certainly the first 10, if anything we were the side looking more likely and yet you could see that they were so comfortable on the ball and they just grew into the game and from about the 10th or 15th minute they really put their foot down and it turned into that what we've got used to in recent times is that you know a bit of a backs to the wall effort now this time we did get it to half time at nil nil and we did get it. and again i was thinking at that point they're clearly a good side but if they keep making these little mistakes giving us a sniff who knows we might be able to poach this one and you know, for a while, that looked possible because Jordan Shipley scored that screamer. And yeah, like you say, Ollie, probably a cross. I'd need to watch it back again. I don't really care. It was a great moment, wasn't it? He smashed it over from the... Like, you haven't seen it yet, Dan, have you? Because you were at a game today. So Jordan Shipley, wide on the left-hand side, somewhere sort of in front of the press box almost. So, smacks the ball over, flies over the keeper's net and soars into the net. It was it was a, it was a great strike. It was a great moment. And uh, it was out of nothing because it came after yet another spell of heavy Peterborough pressure. So it was... Um, it was a shock. And after that goal, I don't know what you thought, Lee, for about two or three minutes, it seemed to lift us. And suddenly we were coming forward again. And you thought, Blimey, if we get a second, then that, you know, that they could be in trouble. 
But Peterborough just had that other gear. And that's what you see these top sides do. They found another gear and within three minutes, it's 1-1. And at that point, it felt inevitable what was coming. It never felt like we were the team, unfortunately, chasing the game. You always felt they were going to get another chance. And the one thing I'd say as well about how well we have to defend in these games, when you play the way we're playing, they defended their backsides off today and they defended really well. But you make one or two mistakes just because you're tired and because there's so much being asked of you. And the, and the winning goal today was a goal we should have stopped. You know, it's come from a set piece and it should never have happened. But I find it hard to 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 be too angry at the defenders because they've because of how much work they've had to put in over the course of well the 75 minutes up to that point and then the rest of the game. So I can't really be too critical, but it was frustrating and it but it did show you there's a gulf between the very best sides in this league and where we are right now, and, it, and it's quite a sizable gulf. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen today's goal, um, Chris, but it, I did. I did hear that it was it was had a freakish nature about it. Um, one of my friends said that this reminded him of the Sunderland Cup game last year. Uh, you just felt there was another gear for Peterborough to move into, and once we'd poked the beast, um, that they, they did it, and, and that's that. We shouldn't be too worried about that. They're, they're second in the league for a reason. They're a very good team. The friend of mine also said he thought Peterborough were a better side in Portsmouth. Now I, I can't comment on that. I've seen them this season, but um, but the I think the bigger point is that we're not the same as that. And it's for that reason, I've got this feeling that Che Dunkley must have gone home after the Portsmouth game and, and booted the proverbial cap because to concede that goal in the way that we did with the ball bouncing right across the box from a throw-in, I, I can imagine that's what would give Dunks absolute nightmares because that's just the type of goal we shouldn't be conceding given given what we do. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm not too downbeat about the last two results. You know, I know they're not gone our way and I know that they were much better teams, but the next three games are much, much, much more significant than the last two. The other thing to throw in, by the way, is yet another injury. Just hearing you talk about Black Cats then made me think about, you know, the, our run of luck today because we've lost Aaron Pierre today. I don't, I don't know how serious that is, but the moment he went down, the decision was, was taken. Yeah, yeah he, he said he's got a small nick in it. I thought, what does that mean? Is he cut it or is that just him using weird language? Uh, but... So I can't tell if that's a serious long-term injury or if that's, you know, we might see him again before before the end of this Christmas period. But either, it was a lot of games ideal. in a very short period of time. But it wasn't ideal, was it? And then in the second half, Jordan Shipley went down and every, the, the entire ground, I think, totally, or the three sides of the ground anyway, deep intake of breath. And then the referee comes over, he's talking to Shipley and you see him put his hand up to Chris Skitt and tell him he doesn't have to come on. And you could almost hear the ground breathe a sigh of relief. OK, he's going to get up. But it didn't look good because he just went, he was just running and he suddenly sat down and you just thought, OK, that's obviously not going to be good. Because normally if a player goes down without any contact from anyone else, there's a problem. So I don't know what that was about. But yeah, we just seem to have no luck with injuries, do we? No luck whatsoever. Yeah, going back to Dan's comment about which side was the better one, Pompey or Posh, I'd say Posh played with a bit more swagger, a bit more arrogant, a bit more confidence, almost maybe maybe even a little bit of arrogance in terms of how they were passing the ball around the back. But what they were doing was very, very smart. They were playing the ball around the back and Tyson Shrewsbury Town on. Shrewsbury Town would then press. They would leave gaps and then they attacked and their, some of their best chances came from that. Um, they have some really good young players. I think that I've read that they're the youngest squad in the in the division. But I would say that Pompey are a little bit more mature and probably a little bit more ruthless um, and probably got a little bit more, not there's no way of criticism of Pompey, a little bit more a bit nastier or a little bit more streetwise um, to their play. Um, they did loads, not loads, maybe three or four, maybe even five cynical fouls when we were on the counter-attack. 
Um, not that we're going to do anything anyway, but you know they did stop us in that way as well. So I think they're just a little bit more street smart. It's credit to Darren Ferguson, to be honest, Ollie. I think when they failed to go up last year, when they lost in the playoffs, it was made clear that financially they couldn't afford to maybe outlay the money that they have done in recent years. Darren McAntony said there wasn't going to be any huge signings this summer. They were going to have to start to do things a little bit differently. And they've done that. As you said, youngest squad in the division and they've signed younger players. But he seems to get it right. And today, yeah, you said about the quality of some of their attacking players. They've got a homegrown lad, Ricky J. Jones, who scored one of the goals today. Efron Mason-Clark, who was their number 10, I thought he was very impressive today. Uh, Joe Randall, he was a player who stood out for me today. He, looked, he had something of the Son Heung-min about him, he, he, his style of play. He really stood out to me as a, as, a, as, a, as a prospect and a talent. Yeah, I mean, they were a good side to watch. There's no getting around it. Yeah, so I thought in terms of their confidence on the ball, you know, it's a high bar because we said Portsmouth were good. But I do agree with Dan's mate that I thought, if anything, this lot were better. But they did make mistakes. And that's what Portsmouth didn't really do. They did that they would give the ball away at the back a few times. And... I think if Portsmouth's defence had been playing for Peterborough today, we wouldn't have got anywhere near their goal, as it were. But it was just uh, the odd mistake here and there that gave us gave us a sniff, and will give better teams than us a sniff as well. So it's probably why Peterborough aren't put you know running away with it, as it were. But otherwise, they've got some real talent there. So good side to watch. Tough game, like you say, and agree entirely. We've got you know we've got the Cheltenham and Fleetwood as our next, uh, and Burton as well as our next three games those are bigger games for what's going to happen to us this season. You know, you look at those and think we want to win two, at least a couple of those would be nice, or at least take maybe five points minimum from those three games. And you'd feel that's okay. Losing to the two teams that we've lost to in the last week, it's a shame because they're both home games, but in the big scheme of things, lots of teams going to lose games to those sides. So you have to try and maintain some perspective. Yeah, and and talking um, of performances, I was listening to BBC Shropshire coming off, like to listen to what Matt Taylor has to say. Um, often after defeat, I can't really be bothered to listen to <laughs> and listen to something else um, on the way home. Um, but I thought it was interesting, and it did prick up my ears, and I go, did make me maybe pull a face. He said, Steve Cross on BBC Shropshire said, Shrewsbury Town are performing well. Damn, discuss. Well, as an academic, my first instinct is always say, right, you need to define your terms. Well, it was a very dull thing to say, but I'd like to know what he means by performing well. If he means we're 14th with a very, very thin squad, then okay, well, I can I can go with that a little bit. I've got a feeling he doesn't mean that. Um, I don't really know what he means to be honest, because I think I think we have done well to get 27 points after 23 games. I don't think there's anyone who would disagree with that. Actually, anyone who's rational and no, really Matt Taylor's doing it. Matt Taylor's results and where we are on the table. Um, is is is, is do, doing very well and yeah. basically but that even maybe probably better than what we expected after five games. But I don't hear Steve Cross saying in his commentaries. Well, you know what? We've got ten, eleven, twelve um, players out injured. We've got um, you know we're at the bare bones. We're making do. It's all about survival. That's not the narrative. His narrative. When I listen to him, he's a glorified cheerleader. And don't get me wrong. You know, I remember watching Steve Cross in the eighties. I remember seeing him score. Uh, at Everton when we lost 2-1. You know, I, I got a lot of time for Steve Cross, the living legend at Shrewsbury Town, but most of the stuff he says doesn't make any sense. He's a glorified cheerleader. Everything is positive. The amount of times he said that referees have made poor decisions because they were against Shrewsbury Town. I don't think I've ever, and I challenge any listeners to prove me wrong, heard him say a ref's made a really poor decision that went for Shrewsbury Town, right? He, I, I have no faith in his ability to analyse a football game. And given he's getting paid for it, 
Um, I, th I think that's an issue. Um, I, I now turn him off, Ollie, when I'm watching iFollow. It's not a great statement when I'd rather watch him on mute than, uh, than listen to, you know, the, the, the crowd in the background and Steve Cross. And Stuart Dunn is excellent. Stuart Dunn is very good. Um, Steve Cross isn't. So if I'm being brutally honest, um, I don't really care what Steve Cross says. But if he did mean 14th and loads of injuries and everything's gone against us in that sense, I'll give him a bit of latitude. But I suspect that's not what he meant at all. And and that's the fascinating, that's the, almost the quandary, not the quandary, but all about the interesting kind of parallels that we have is on, on one side, 14th in the league table, got some got some good results, like you say, you know, going away to Wickham, good result any any season um, for us. But when we watch this team, and you know, I talked about the last podcast when I was getting quite really frustrated watching us, and I'd like I said, I've just come to terms with it now. Like our strikers cannot hold up the ball at all. We don't play any football through the middle at all. Um, and we just lump it into the channels and hope that our strikers hold on to it. And most of the time they don't. Um, I feel sorry for our strikers. I feel sorry for the, all the players, to be honest, because on the one hand, I don't think we're being coached very well. But also at the same time, we do have this massive injury crisis. And I was looking at the um, the bench for the Pompey game just now. And on the bench, you had, you'd probably even argue, only one first-team player, Benning, who's played a number of games in League 1 and 2. Mata hasn't played many games and Shobawali hasn't. And then the rest are kids. So we are down to bare bones, which is a part of a, I don't know, an excuse for our style of play. Um, but like, the Exeter game I really struggled with, you know, playing, going away to a team that is that poor and struggling that badly, not to play any football is a bit, a bit of a, ch a challenge. But yeah, carry on, Daniel. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. We talked about the extra game on the last pod, didn't we? And I think we've got slightly different angles on that because I could, if I were Matt Taylor, I would say, look, we had two massive chances. That was the plan. We fluffed our lines. And I think everything else you'd be pretty happy with. But no, the thing that occurred to me when you were talking there is that um, those of us of a certain age will remember Ryan Lowe playing for uh, playing for the town. N not a particularly uh, wonderful era in our history, but he, he, he always gave 100% and was a player that I liked. And of course, he's on the verge of being sacked at Preston North End. And one of the bits I found most interesting with him is he did go in and talk about identity. I don't know what people mean by that, Ollie. I, I mean, I know what John Beck's teams had in terms of identity. I know what Pep's teams have. Um, you know, I, I get it at, at that sort of level. Um, Russell Martin's teams have a very clear identity as well. But a lot of managers like Ryan Lowe, like Matt Taylor, um, go in with this idea they're going to have some sort of brand. And I just think, you know, folks, you've just been, it's gob gobbledygook. You just heard other people who apparently and you quite intelligent say it. Failure as well. Exactly. And, and I think the point is, in the end, and Matt Taylor knows this from his time at Walsall, you can talk about identity as he did at the beginning, but it's results. It's results that get you, get you, you know, a con continuation of your contract. And I think Taylor realised that way quicker than he would have done had he not had that gig at, um, not had that gig at, at, at Walsall. And I think Ryan Lowe's problem is he's not. I mean, they're only four points off the playoffs, Preston, um, but he's going to get sacked. And I think... I think the, You the can talk plan... yourself into getting sacked, can't you? Exactly. And I think Taylor's realised that, and that is why he's looking at this thinking, shit. I've got and he doesn't say players. anything stupid. I've seen people criticise his post-match and, oh, he's talking about this again, he's talking about this. He's got to say something. And don't fight the fans. Yeah, Whatever you do, don't fight the fans. Does. Don't fight the fans and don't set expectations up too high. Yeah. And I've, I've stopped listening to Matt Taylor's post-match. I do read the really excellent write-up. I have to say that the media team do a really good job writing it up, so I just have a quick scan, anything interesting there, a couple of things. 
but he's doing he's playing he's he's playing using you guys. I mean, you love your cricket, but he's saying he's 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 he's, he's, he's like in a test match, isn't he? He's just batting them away. He's not he's not slogging straight bat. Straight bat is that was that was the phrase. He's just playing a straight bat to stew done. And he's just every after everyone. He's not doing anything stupid. He's not getting himself sacked. And he's just get by in his time. Um, and I think a fair test format, Taylor, will be obviously January transfer window, which we'll come on to shortly, and players um, having a, a full team. And maybe it's even next season. Um, but I do lo- really like your point you pulled out there, Dan, is that he learned from the Warsaw time. He's playing pragmatic football. And if that gets us Shrewsbury Town in League One next year and him in a job, you know, yeah. Great, fantastic. And I'll put it another way. Do you want to see Mal Ben in the number 10 role, do you? Not well, really. Right, not really. He came on, he played on and played in the right of the midfield three um, today. And there's quite a few fans talking about it and were chatting about that. And what else is he supposed to do? Like, like do you want to play Matt Perry so he gets injured? Um, and so I, think, I think Benning's a bit of a fall guy in this. I mean, Benning is a left back. Right, and yeah, he often doesn't play at left back, and and so he's just he's just trying to find ways of filling holes. Right, Taylor is, yeah. and Benning's the unfortunate soul who has to play out of position yeah. all the time. And and people are criticising him for bringing Benning on for Perry, but would you rather him do that against Posh? Good chance we're going to lose, but have have Perry fit, ready to go, um, or against Cheltenham, Burton, and Fleetwood in the next few games. Uh, so yeah, Chris. Um, what's your thoughts on kind of our performance at the, at the moment? It's just, it's. I think we talk about the entertainment value and fans are saying they're not enjoying the football they're seeing, but I think it's the point I've heard you make before. It's no different to what we've been doing for years, sadly. And Dan's just talked about identity. And I, I do worry that sadly Shrewsbury have got a bit of an identity at the moment. And sadly, our identity is tedium. And it's been that way from John Ask. Well, John Askey started it. It moved on. But actually, John Askey tried to play football level. and almost yeah, yeah. fell into the trap that that so that were Matt Taylor's not falling into now. Sam Ricketts' football was incredibly yeah. dull, though. And then Steve Cottrell got better results eventually, but throughout his period, it was still dull football. I don't think anybody who's fair could say it was anything but. And then you know. I suppose that they've set themselves up a little bit because Mickey Moore used that. You know, he's talked at fans forums about our possession stats. He's talked about how low they were last year. I think you said he talked about the MK Dons game that we won 1-0 last year and said about how lucky we were and how boring our performance was that day, which it was. But we're back now to doing those same things, but we're not necessarily getting quite the same results that we got in that period. So I he, t- he talked it up. He set an expectation that things were going to be different and they're not different. And I think that's their problem. When you, when you set an expectation that people want more and then don't deliver on it, then you're going to get yourself criticised. And he was always on that little bit of a hiding to nothing as well because he's come in to replace a regime that a lot of the fan base liked and felt was going somewhere. So there's this feeling that it was, all, it was a change that didn't need to happen in the eyes of some. And therefore anything that Matt Taylor does that's short of, you know, wonderful, frankly, is going to get him criticised. So it's a difficult position for him. And I do feel for him from that point of view, especially given, you know, we're not in the relegation zone, haven't been in the relegation zone all season, I don't think. So it's not a car crash of a season. But then we've scored 14 goals now. Well, in that was what games. I wanted to come on to next. Like 14 goals in 23 games. I think so, which obviously we're halfway there. So you don't. If we maintained that ratio, we're going to score twenty-eight league goals this season. Which I is think the lowest in. A, I think the lowest in our history 
is about certainly the 46 game season is 43. So we're we're on target not just to be lower than that, 40, but a I lot. Think you were going to say lower. like 31 or 32. You know, 43 would be miles away. But that's that's just kind of like, never getting there. But it's 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 almost a testament to almost the like the Shrewsbury Towns have been conditioned um, to just accept terrible football. Um, and yeah, it, like 14 goals after 23 games is short of horrific. And what you say, Chris, we scored three of those goals um, away from home. Um, I think that today's the first time we've wasted a goal. So, you know, our, it's, our yeah, goals it's haven't... the first time we haven't won a game where we took the lead. Yeah. Every single game we've led this season, we'd won apart from today. And today ruined the record, but our points, our goal to point ratio was amazing. We've got like two points for every goal we scored. Um, and it's something like I saw Barnsley. Well, Barnsley have scored 25 more points than us. So, sorry, 25 more goals than us and only have eight more points than them. So, yeah, they scored like we scored 14 and Barnsley have scored 25 more than us. It's just mental. And then the, and some fans, I, I think, obviously, you know, good intentions say that we are our, our defense is really good, but it really isn't. We've consorted 32, um, 32, 33 goals so far this season. Um, and we've got like one of the worst defense. We have not, you know, Bottom ten is it sixth worst defensive record in the in the division, something like that. I was going to say, I mean, again, I desperately try and be half full. Um, where's Mike when we need him? He's in the pub. <laughs> he's in the pub. He's, I need, in the I need pub. he's had enough. He's had enough. He's, he's turned to the bottle. Um, but I was just thinking that you know, if Pierre is out, then do we really need? I mean, we've got Feeney to come in, but do, do we really need to be five at the back? And don't tell me it's three at the back. And as Chris well knows, I like three five two as a system. But even I have to admit, we've got no opportunity to keep the ball because we've got too many people behind the ball. So if Pierre's out, just play two in the middle and play sort of two full backs. You know, give Benning an actual full back role with Shipley in front of him and have Bennett on the right. And then, you know, we, we can talk about who you would have in front of it. But would it not be an option to, 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 to try and move to a slightly more forward-looking system? I mean, the answer is going to be no, but I yeah. live in hope. We live in hope. And I and it's interesting, like I've seen, like, I did uh, tweet out before the, the podcast, any questions for the pod and um, some good questions, um, one from Pacific saying, you know, what does the tactics, whatever, need to change? Um, but I think it comes back down to personnel. I don't believe there isn't a, a lack of faith through injuries, whatever, um, that, yeah, I don't... I can just see us grinding out the rest of the season. January window will give us some hope. Um, we can talk about that maybe in a moment. Um, but yeah, in terms of style of play and approach, I very much resigned to watching unentertaining un 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 football and just enjoying the wins. Because um, if you can't enjoy the wins, there's no, not much point going, to be honest. But I do think there's a case to be made there that, I mean, Feeney's going to be fit anyway, so we will have three centre-halves, that it, it, it wouldn't be a wholesale change. We would just have, because the full-back... You could always make Benning in defence as well, couldn't you, as the left side of back three? No, you, yeah, you could. OK, it, it's not even going to happen, is it? But I just think no, the full... Dream. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, let's move on. Um, so, yeah, I was talking to um, young Thomas, Chris's son, um, before the game today, and I set him a task... Um, of which three positions do we need to strengthen? Um, and Chris, what was Thomas's thoughts on that? So he took this incredibly seriously, Ollie. So this was a conversation we had in the concourse about half an hour before the game started. And Ollie said, you don't have to answer right now. You think about it during the game. 
he thought about it during the game and he raised and he talked about it to me non-stop in the first half with his opinions, which changed through the half. But by the time we got to half time, Thomas has set his mind that we needed to add a right wing back. He feels that that's a key position. He, he would like to see more pace out wide. He said a striker, obviously, he said. Obviously, obviously we need goals, so we need a striker and an attacking midfielder because it's all well and good having a striker, but you need somebody to actually give them the ball. So he says we need an attacking midfielder, striker and a right wing back. That's the verdict of my eight-year-old son. And to be honest, he was pretty much on a par with what I might have said. I, I love that. I love that analysis. And I'm going to ask my two eight-year-old sons for their analysis of this uh, over the course of the next 24 hours. And I, I will report back because I think, uh, you know, they often come up with the, the, the obvious answers, right? Um, the only one I query, Chris, it's not that I don't think an attacking midfield would be very useful. I want another midfielder who can keep the ball and be more positive. I'm not going to use that word progressive. I don't know what the hell it means, but more positive in looking up and looking forward and keeping the ball in the middle of the park. I'd like a Carl Winchester that played like the Carl Winchester I remember, if that means someone else like that. So if they're going a bit more further forward, fine, but I'm happy with Taylor Perry in that ish role. And it's let's more, not forget, I want... we've also signed Roland Adohu, who apparently is an attacking midfielder. So I did say to Thomas, we might have already yeah. ticked that box. We just haven't seen him play yet. Although they always sound like they should be playing for Brazil, these guys, and I realise they're in the Irish second division. I know. I I saw somebody on Twitter where we signed him saying, this lad's going to be amazing. And I thought, what are you basing that on? I know absolutely nothing above him, about him. He's played for a team. Yeah, they got promoted, as you said, from the Irish second division, which from what I've read about it, people tend to say the Irish first division is kind of conference standard. So we're talking probably like conference north standard, maybe. So it's a big step up. It's a big step up indeed, as as Sobawali has found. So... Yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to be amazing. Like, I mean, maybe he will, and I hope he is. Maybe he will. It's I think a there's, a, there's a case for giving him a go. I mean, Sobawali's a good example. I got, I got the feeling Sobawali will be all right in a number of years. Your, your phrase, Ollie, project player. But he, yeah. he's, you know, he's got a way to go, and and this yeah. dude's got to be in the same position. You'd have thought. Yeah, we'll come back to Thomas's comment. I don't want to forget that. Um, but in terms of these project players. Um, I think it tells you a lot. I see a lot of people saying, you know, I do the tweet before the game, you know, who should start, whatever, to get some interest. It's always interesting what people have to say. And if it's quite a few say, oh, Shelby Wally should play. But if we're going to play Feeney, who really isn't a fullback, at wing back, um, at above ahead of Shabawali, that for me tells you everything you need to know about where he is in terms of first team football. I thought it was really talking of um, co commentators, Tom Flanagan, I only heard him pre match. I might even go back and maybe even try and listen a bit in the game. He was amazing. His analysis was fantastic. He offered insight. He's even in the squad. He's probably a little bit more critical as well than some other people, which I thought was quite funny. And bear in mind, it's uh, the first time he's done it. Steve Crossett's done, yeah. done, done it. Oh, I thought he was really good, Flanagan. He was a brilliant. Tom Flanagan was fantastic. His voice was completely different to what I expected, um, but he was really, really good. And he talked about Shoah Wally, about how to show more confidence. Um, you could tell he was being very careful with his words, but um, yeah, he was really good. And yeah, the, you know, a young player coming in for that level, it's unlikely that he's going to be ready, first team ready. Um, but you know, I can't imagine these lads are on a lot of money. You know, signing players from Ireland, I can't imagine they're much money there. So I don't mind the, the project players. Um, it's just we do see the type we have quite a few project players. However, was was Shraha a project player? I'm not sure. Maybe he yeah. probably wasn't. I don't know. Maybe he was, was a project he was. player. He just, he just he's a project player. Good. 
Yeah. He's, he was, he's been fantastic. Um, so he very much was, wasn't it? He was a, yeah. signed as a project. No, he's a project that's kicked on faster than some of the he's others. He's done really well. We really miss him. He's, he was, and then to be fair to Anderson, he's come back and done well as well. So, um, you know, some of our recruitment has been pretty good, um, unfortunately, going forward. Um, and you were talking about that attacking midfield point, Dan. I'm going to come back to Thomas's things. Like Thomas was saying, is bang on the money. They're the three positions I think we need to improve. Um, right wing back for me is a massive miss. Um, Central, someone for them to look forward to in attack midfield and strikers. Um, yeah, and you know, if we had the Winchester a few years ago and the Dan Ado of a few years ago, um, I think that would help a lot because it's a you know, people say, Oh, we need more strikers, or there's no point getting strikers because we don't take any chances, but it's it's all interlinked, isn't it? You know, if you've got good strikers, you even saw it when um, one of our strikers doesn't win a lot of balls in the air and the other striker doesn't make runs, and then the other striker got changed. And the other player didn't react to that. So Mata comes on for Bowman. Mata starts winning headers, but Ado's been playing for 70 minutes and has not tracked or followed any of those runs. And for me, we're just not winning the ball. And it's all it's all interlinked, unfortunately. So I think it's gonna it's gonna take a real long time to change our style of play. Um January can help, and hopefully that will come in the name, Chris. You might remember his name, the young lad that we've been scouted tapped up with with um from Crystal Palace um, youth team. Um sounds like an interesting striker. Yeah, Adam Mola or something like that. Hang on, I'm going to have to look that up now while I'm talking. While Chris but, is yeah, looking it up. I'm just going to ask promising. We have this link with Palace by the looks of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's transcendent. Is it a thing or is it just like... I don't know what it can't be, can it? Because yeah. Steve Cottrell last year, then we got a director of football and a different head coach. We never had a coach last year. So yeah, maybe it's just they just look at us and go, oh, they're quite a quaint little club. We'll send some players there. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be that as you say, they sent two to us last year. We had Street, we had Phillips. We seem to do a good job well. with both. I think maybe there's a there's an element of them thinking, okay, sure, we look after our players. We have we have and we do have a record of that, don't we? You know, we've taken players from Rangers, we've taken players from lots of different teams over the years. Norwich sent us quite a few, didn't they? Um, but I tell you what, wouldn't you love Carl Morris in this team? Whew, proper striker. But this then one... Godfrey in midfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't mind that. But this one, people might, for anybody who's not seen this, we're being linked quite heavily with a Crystal Palace youngster. He's 20 years old. He's called Adamola Ola Adambomi. That's that's uh, quite a it's mouthful. A but he's uh, scored 13 goals in Premier League 2 for Palace this year. And certainly when I, there's a, a London newspaper that reported that we were the so-called front runners for his loan signature in the January transfer window. So clearly there's interest. And I saw Ollie Westbury also tweeted about it at one o'clock today, saying that there's truth in that story. Shrewsbury are definitely after him, but he said it's far from done and there's other clubs in the hunt for him as well. So I've got to ask though, Chris, we, we are leading the race. Shrewsbury yeah, are leading the right. race for a Crystal Palace player. I'm intrigued. The only reason for that I can think is Palace think we did a good job and right now yeah. they'd see us as a safe bet to look after him. Has to be, but yeah. He, they obviously, obviously haven't a... noticed that everyone gets injured this year. They've obviously, obviously not picked up on that. None of our lone players play anymore. Well, yeah, that's we need a, a bit, bit of, luck, of a problem. But yeah, hopefully um, he'd do a job. He looks like he's well. He scored goals this year. Obviously, Premier League Two is a different thing, but still, he's got he's got some pedigree. And certainly, the reaction on social media from Palace fans when this story came out, they were all saying what a promising talent he has been on their bench in the Premier League quite a bit this season. And as far as they were concerned, they felt that um, he deserves a crack at he deserves a crack at, at the football league, and they felt that Shrewsbury would be a good move for him. I think they looked at what we did for Phillips, and they were all saying, "Yeah, that'd be great." I also saw some Portsmouth fans. Apparently, in the summer, he'd been linked with them, 
and they were all saying they'd still have him now and they, they think they need another striker to support Bishop and they, 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 they can't believe he's going to come to Shrewsbury when he should be coming to them. So I thought that's interesting as well. He's obviously he's obviously caught the eye of a few people. So I, I'd never heard of him, I'll be honest, until I read this story. But well, I wonder if part of it is that they think he'll play, right? Well, well if he goes it, to Pompey, will he play? Then, well, no, that's no, the no, thing, isn't it? The less I say about Pompey fans, probably the better. Um, but in terms of um, sending a youth player out, there's no point sending a youth player out um, to a team um, as I guess, obviously there's benefits to going to a confident team as and well-run team as good as Pompey, but there's no point if you look back at the end of the year and he's played 90 minutes um, as in, in accumulation of 20 games coming off the bench for two minutes. It's not really going to do his. Yeah, I, um... I mean, that's a gamble, isn't it? It can happen anywhere. It happened with you know Newcastle sent us Matty Bonswell under Steve Cottrell and he didn't give him a second. Poor kid spent half a season here and didn't kick a ball. So <laughs> there's always a gamble with these things and there's no guarantees, but yeah, you'd like to think that he's more likely to get minutes playing for us, a team who's desperate for goals, than he is playing for the league leaders who've presumably got a striker or two who can score goals already. Totally agree, totally agree with that. Um, so, yeah, kind of linked into the January um, transfer window, and let's call this section Chris's Christmas wish, um, in terms of a bit of fun on, on what's happened, my misunderstanding of, of Chris's idea. Um, so, yeah, one Christmas wish. Um, what would he go, Chris? You go for it. So, yeah, the, I think the way I presented this and it caused a bit of confusion, didn't it? I was saying if you could get a Christmas present for anybody at Shrewsbury Town, player, coaching staff, anybody behind the scenes, what would you get them and why? And I wasn't being serious. I wasn't saying, oh, you know, would you get them a nice book or a pair of socks or something? It was supposed to be a bit of fun. So Mike, who can't make it tonight, he kind of got it. Mike said to me, he said in our little WhatsApp chat, he'd get George Nurse a new knee because, God, that lad deserves some luck. You know, twice now he's done his, he's done his ACL. Let's give him a new knee because we've missed him this season. So his Christmas present's a new knee. What about you, Dan? Have you got any thought? What would, what would be your, your present, your Christmas wish for one of our players or oh, for somebody I, at the club? Yeah, and no, I, I turn this around because I, I was thinking more that Christmas is, is all about everyone else, right? It's about making others happy. And you know this, Chris, and I know this. We've got eight-year-old kids, so it ain't about us. It's about making other people happy. So I thought, when we go on the road, we've got to think about the teams that we play. So I'd buy, or I get, a yoga mat, right? And the yoga mat would be for um, one of our backroom staff to give to the opposition goalkeeper. Because I feel for these guys, right? Because they don't get anything to do. They must get really chilly on a cold uh, January day, so I'd want them to have something to keep them keep keep them busy while we park the big red double decker bus. So I, I I can imagine them sitting on the penalty spot, going zen, uh, watching and waiting for the one thing they'll have to do in the game. And the question will it be, of course, will they save it as they did not at Wickham, uh, or, or, or will they or will they manage to pull off the save? But over ninety minutes, I've been feeling a bit. You know, we should help out opposition keepers because none of the Shrewsbury Town players go anywhere near them for the vast majority of our <laughs> away games. So I take a yoga mat and it would be for the oppo keeper on our away travels. There's someone else who is busy is Chris Skitt. So the other one I was thinking about is poor old Chris Skitt. That treatment room has been full this year. That man deserves a holiday because when he agreed to come back to Shrewsbury Town, he probably didn't expect to be as busy as he has been. So his Christmas present's probably a little trip to the Bahamas or something. He needs a couple of weeks sat on the beach just to recharge before he comes back and deals with our next injury crisis. So, yeah, there's he's definitely had, he's earned his money, hasn't he? There you go, Ollie, that kind of thing. Any thoughts? What would you do? My Christmas wish. I was going to go for two, one or two things. So for me, like a kind of make-believe one would be a, a a young Dave Edwards, 
who can play that kind of progressive running forward, score some goals uh, midfielder, and which I think we're sadly missing. Um, but the one I'm going to go for is Dana, the Danado before he got injured. Because the Danado before he got injured was a very, very good League One player. He was linking up well. He was getting the ball. He was running at defenders. Um, he, he's unfortunately hasn't quite hit that level since he's come back from his HCL. So for my, my Christmas wish, um, um, Dan and Chris, it would be the Dan and Joe um, that, that we had had a while ago. That would be a good gift for all the fan base, I'm sure. Because, yeah, he has, yeah. a 16-goal Daniel Ludo would be very well received, I'm sure. He probably wouldn't sign for us in the summer if he did, because he'd go to a better team. Um, but it would certainly help us and give us some entertainment for the second half of the season. Chris Scott, can I your... go for another one? Yeah, it was, go as many as you want. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, another left-field one, but... I remember I came downstairs the other day and, and, and the, there was a film on with, with, is it Jim Carrey? I'm rubbish at films, where people could only tell the truth. Do you remember that film? Liar, liar, is it? Liar, liar. That's, it, that's what it was. Liar, liar. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's quite, quite an insane idea. Watched a bit of it with the kids, you know, as you know. Um, I would like a device where I, uh, people in block 11, where I sit, could only be positive. I don't want to hear the truth. The truth to be, I'm not ready for the truth to quote Jack Nicholson <laughs> in a few good men. Um, but, but only be positive. And I, I think I'll be sitting there in silence after time, but that, that I would love to see how some of the moaners and groaners around me would deal with the fact they could only physically utter positive things. Cause I think they'd be, they'd be lost. So I'd love to see that in action. Um, you know, well, it's interesting you say that um, because, yeah, I did put a tweet out to in that, after the game, well, near the end of the game today, which has been brewing for months. Um, and, you know, we're following Shrewsbury Town and you probably should really have a good idea of what you're going to see. Um, and I did put a tweet out and I said, some lads in Block 17, I have no idea about football, maybe it's a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, embarrass themselves on a regular basis, that's not harsh. Um, make the match day experience for worse for others around them, encourage people to leave. Now, the number of people that left with 10 minutes to go around in Block 17 was, I think probably half of them had gone. There's so many people had left. Um, and so, you know, so what do they do when Shea Dunkley well, turns up in the last minute and bangs the ball a well, centimetre under the bar? Well, it's interesting because like, we had, you know, how do you put this? I don't, not sure what they're expecting. And the the ironic thing for me is that someone said, oh, can you explain it? So I'm going to give one example. And it's a little bit confusing because when we're passing the ball around the back, that's not good enough and we shouldn't be doing that. We should get in the ball forward. And then when we get the ball forward, it doesn't always necessarily work. And they're angry about that as well. Um, and I'm not sure if they actually enjoy watching the football. And I'm not sure if they even really enjoy us winning. Um, because it's almost they're, they're happier when we're losing. So it's just, I don't know, it's taken months and months and probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't have said anything, probably should have kept my mouth shut, but I'm not very good at doing that. But I'm just not really sure like what, what their intention is. Like if they're really, like they seem really, really unhappy. So if you're that unhappy, like don't go to the football. I, I'm not really sure. And like, yeah, it, it's it's funny because they probably don't know, but like everyone talks about them and um, and talks about, there's quite a few of them, you know, but everyone talks about the, their comments or people talk about their comments to each other. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little bit odd. And yeah, I don't know. If you're going to football, you're following Shrewsbury Town. You're not following Man United or Man United is a bad example these days, but um, yeah, Man City or Arsenal or whatever, or Liverpool or Barcelona or whatever. It's Shrewsbury Town and it's not going to be pretty and, you know, you should be used to us not having any possession anymore. So I'm not really sure what they're expecting. 
yeah, it's frustrating. And I think having having a son come with me these days has also changed my perception on some of this. There was a moment today when Marco Morosi went to clear a ball, and as Marco Morosi regularly does, it was very, very windy today as well. It was, but he pumped the ball into the crowd. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what he was looking to do, and unfortunately, it happens a little bit too often. But a bloke sat near us was up on his feet, calling him a c, you know, calling him the c word at the top of his voice, and I just. I'm not a prude, you know. You go to football, you're going to hear swearing, and God, you know, I've prepared my son for that over years. I've told him to ignore it, and he and he mostly does. But when he hears it coming from one individual at full volume, that word, aimed because Marco Morosi has fluffed a clearance, I just can't, I can't get my head around around that and the, how vexed some people get about it. It was it was frustrating today because at that point, the game was still, you know, there. We were we were in the game. It's not like we were battered today. It's, it's a competitive match and we're not brilliant to watch at times. But yeah, I just think it's been a lot worse. You know, these aren't people who are watching town for the first time. I've watched town now for 35 years or something, something in that ballpark. I think Dan's a little bit longer than me as well. We've seen seasons better than this for sure, yeah, and more entertaining than this, but we've also seen seasons a lot worse than this. And I, I just think age gives me perspective, and I, I want some of these but these are not young kids, Chris. That's the, they're no, old, they're that's older point, than me. Yeah. And they're older than me. Um, and, and it's not like, the, not like the players don't care and they're not trying like Shipley, Shipley after the game um, went round, and Matt Taylor went round as well. Fair play to him. He does, he does front it out. He doesn't run away and hide away. The players do a clap and they go round. And Shipley was going round, and I don't say this lightly or mean to a kind of like I don't know, I don't know, like be like I don't know, nothing against him or anything. But I don't know how to describe this. But he looked genuinely upset. Like he tried, he just put his effort in for ninety-five, nine minutes, whatever. He scored a goal. And he was put his hands up and he clapped the fans and you could see it hurt. He didn't want to, he didn't want us to lose today. Um, and if you've got a manager that seems like he's trying his hardest, you've got a bunch of players that are trying his hardest. Yes, they're not the best, but it could be a lot worse. Um, and yeah, the players are trying their best. And if Maurice kicks the ball into the stand, it's not because he wanted to, it's because it, it happened. <laughs> but I think I think the bit that irritates me. And it does irritate me. And I've done quite a lot of thinking about this. I mean, if I'm allowed a moment of brazen self-publicity, or I've just written a book on football and integrity, right? And there's a shed load of Shrewsbury Town in that book, as Chris will know, because he's read a bit of it. So, Nice um, segue, all, Dan. Nice yeah, in all, all good bookshops from, bookshops from the end of March. Anyway, whatever. Um, end of March? You haven't done that very well. well Christmas, Dan. You should have got it. I know. Well, they, I'm not very good with deadlines. <laughs> Let's not go there. My publisher might be listening. Um, no, but my, my point is that... that I think not knowing much about what's going on in front of you is that is not a crime against humanity. Football's all about that. It's all about us arguing about whether you should be passing it left, right, forward, centre, when you should be shooting. At least, at least be consistent with your arguments. Though, that well, helps. I mean, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to seriously talk to people, then, yeah, I'd, I'd like that. I'd like to think oh, my arguments are relatively coherent. But even if they're not, whatever. You know, I, I, don't, I don't care about that. But I do care about is um, behaving badly in public Um over 22 blokes kicking a bag of window bag. Under no circumstances is yelling the see you next Tuesday word at the top of your voice in block 17 acceptable. I don't care what's happened. And it's the same, not just all around the ground at the Meadow, it's the same in every football ground in England. Football's got an integrity problem, Chris, because people have got no self-awareness. They don't realise that just standing there and hurling vitriolic abuse at a goalkeeper because he's just saved one of your players' shots is completely out of order. 
Um, now, what do you do about it? Well, we, we could have old podcasts on that. But the point is, I mean, it fascinates me. I mean, I get annoyed with things that happen to the football, but I do not stand up and, and yell somebody, uh, you know, an expletive because it's just not what sensible people do. And the point you made is valid, Ollie. They aren't 14-year-old kids who don't know any better. A lot of these people are older than me and they just don't know how to behave. And it's a sad indictment on football fans. And it really is football fans. You wouldn't see it anywhere else. You don't see it at cricket. You don't see it at rugby. You don't see it any sport. It's a football problem. And I think we've got to front it up, fellas. I mean, we, we three are not going to change it. We've got to call it for what it is. And it's it's rank bad behaviour. And, and the people should know better. End of sermon. Only, I'll leave that there. there was a book, Dan, that they could read that might help them to think about it. Well, if I come across one, Chris, I'll mention it yeah. again on this pod. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely tied up in a bow for Christmas. Um <laughs> And talking of um, unpleasant things, Wrexham's coming up on the on the horizon. Um, it's funny, isn't it, that um, bloody Twitter and algorithms are a pain in the ass because my timeline is full of Wrexham, um, and it was quite nice to see them queuing out for a team that apparently some of their fans say they don't care about us. It was very odd that hundreds of them queued out overnight and make weird videos about us um, and, and call us farmers. But I don't really understand the farmer thing. Farmers aren't farmers really rich. But anyway, um, never mind. Um, they have a lot of them in Wales. I have no idea, mate, to be honest. But I don't really understand <laughs> those do. kind of things, to <laughs> be honest. They do. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so the Wrexham game is coming up. Tickets have gone on sale. Um, it's going to be a, an interesting game. It's going to be probably the probably the, in the last few years, probably the, the hottest ticket in town. Um, yeah, you guys looking forward to it? You got your tickets sorted? Yeah, looking yeah. forward to it very much. To, uh, I, I, we covered this a bit on the last pod. It's a huge deal to me. Uh, Shrewsbury Wrexham's a game we haven't played in 15 years. Can't wait for it. Uh, we'll be nervous about it right leading up to it. If we lose it, it's going to ruin 2024 for me. You know, 2024 is going to have a lot of work to do to win it back <laughs> if we lose that game. But if we win it, then, you know, my year's oh, off to a flyer. So. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like the high and the low. And they're so high and low from each other. It's a huge gulf. Well, I've turned the corner with it, Alex. I think I said to you when it came out that it, it's the worst possible draw imaginable for me. I didn't want it at all. Um, but now it's here. You've got to look at the opportunity it gives you. And I, I think there'll be a good side. Um, I, I think we'll struggle. Do you think it's going to be pretty brutal on the pitch? Do you think the players yeah. will go for it? I think the players it's will be fascinating to see when it, how they... Because the fans will big it up. Um, though, hopefully... Hopefully, I've seen a lot of um, frustration with Wrexham fans about all these glory hunters that follow them now, um, and they're moaning about memberships. And so you can kind of almost like you can kind of wish for things. And all these Wrexham fans are really upset because they can't actually get tickets for the game anymore, and because Wrexham keeps selling this membership to get priorities, but they're just yeah, them yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, I should say I've got a bit of a dilemma on the day in that we're, we're my, my boys play Sunday mornings and uh, we've got nine o'clock kickoff, which is going to be engineered deliberately by me. Um, so that finishes at 10. So, yeah, I, I've got things have got to go right in the morning, but uh, the two o'clock kickoff should just about be possible. So if I if, if anyone sees me and the, and the two boys hustling in at one minute to two, you know, we've been uh, yeah on, on got stuck on the M40 at some point. That's an interesting you have to park on a verge and take the ticket. It's different around yeah. these Shropshire parts, Dan. My kids' league stops until mid-March now. We what? play. We yeah. We just have futsal for the next couple of months, but you don't play every week. And I've certainly got no games on on January the sixth, so I've got no pressure. Indoor football only for me for the for my and my lad for the next few months. I know this is diverging a bit, Ollie, but give me, why does it <laughs> stop though? I don't, what, what, everyone else plays in as in professional football carries on. What's the logic? 
I have no idea, Dan. This is just what the Shropshire Junior Football League do. I assumed all junior football leagues did this, but apparently not, because you're telling me you can't. I assumed it was weather and not letting these poor little kids freeze in January. But anyway, it's what happens in Shropshire. It's what's happening for my lot, and it means I can go to Shrewsbury Wrexham. So on this, I'm case, intrigued, and I'll investigate. Oh, There's <laughs> one thing that we this podcast has always brought to the table is random tangents, and there was an, another random tangent. I'm quite good at them. Apologies. Yeah. We are brilliant at those. Um, so if you made it this far. Congratulations and thank you. Um, I hope, like I said earlier, if you listen to this before Christmas, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas with your family. Um, don't swear at each other on Christmas Day. Enjoy yourselves. Don't drink too much, or maybe drink enough to enjoy yourself. Um, if it's after Christmas, I hope you had a fantastic time. I hope you ate too much. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the next few games. So we've got three winnable games, chaps. I'm thinking of going, not going to Cheltenham. Definitely, you know, definitely 90% going to Burton away. Uh, and then we're playing Fleetwood. Three winnable games. So we're expecting nine points, maybe more than more than nine goals. Yeah. Go, go, uh, 15 points. I'd like me to get that as we are nine. Now, um, if you offered me five, I'd take it. I'm hoping for six, though. Interesting. If we got nine points in the next three games, are we safe? Uh, more or less. I mean, I know mathematically we're not, but I was doing some, some maths earlier, sad man that I am. Um, that, uh, that, that sort of said to me, 46 points, you're likely to stay up. And I know Chris has, has come up with some stats to say 46 might not even be necessary, right? Well, just in the, it used to be 50 was the magic yeah, number. that's what I was going said for. 50 yeah. in this league. And I think they still would say that. But the league table in recent years has rarely needed that. And I was saying two years ago, when, uh, when we finished, I think, 18th, that year, Fleetwood went, Fleetwood stayed up with 40 points, which is insane. Really. We think, I think it was the lowest total ever to stay up. But yeah, just two years ago, Fleetwood stayed up with 40. Uh, Gillingham went down with 40 on goal difference that season. And then last season, I think it was 46. And, and, that, and even that, you know, well below the 50 mark. So yeah, probably there's a good chance we won't need 50. Uh, and we're already more than halfway to that anyway. So yeah, if you won the next three, that'd get us to thirty-six, and you'd you'd like to think there's another ten points for us in the in the. There'd be twenty points still, twenty games still to go at that point. You're going to get ten points or more in those twenty games, surely. So yeah, you'd think we're in a very healthy position, but that's a big ask to win all three. Cheltenham, they want to they want at Carlisle today. Daryl Clark has got them moving, hasn't he? Then uh, have you seen they, the goal, Chris? I haven't. Marvelous. Goalkeeper runs out and tries to, to runs to the right and tries to keep the ball in so it doesn't go off. I think for a goal kick actually, um, but he tries to keep it in anyway. Cocks it up, pushes it out into the middle of the goal, and Cheltenham, Cheltenham just tap it in. You know, um, uh, sounds like yeah. Daniel Ludo scoring, uh, setting up for Bowman in the cup game at Notts County, where it's, it's it's calamity. I see where you go. It's worth a watch. It's it's a cock up of uh, quite oh. impressive. Uh, but you got to hand it to Cheltenham. You know, no goals in their first ten games, and they were so far adrift. It was ridiculous. They're in a position now where if they beat us on Boxing Day and the three teams above them fail to win, they'd move out the relegation zone. So that that's if you told a Cheltenham fan in the middle of September that they might be out the relegation zone by New Year's Day they'd have said that's not possible. And yet that's where they are. So they've done well. And I doubt it'll be easy. Burton have just changed, sacked their manager by the time we play them. They may have a new one. I don't think they have yet, have they? Unless I've missed it. But it, it's going to happen soon. So that that always throws up, you know, the interesting new manager bounce potentially and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Fleetwood. Fleetwood have often done well at our place in recent years and probably feel the OS one for what we did to them at their place earlier this season. So none of these are easy. None of them are that easy. That was when they had Joey Barton, the genius as a manager. 
Um, so those <laughs> days have obviously gone behind us. Um, interestingly, that um, we've got 14 goals. Remember when Cheltenham had a laughable amount of goals? They're one behind us now. They got 13 goals. There was a point today when they were level with us because obviously they scored their goal earlier than we did this afternoon. So yeah. he's doing. I wanted him. He's one of my favourites for when we, were, you know, recruiting in the summer. I think he's a good football manager. Yeah, I put. I think I put him out there as well, saying Daryl Clark would be a good choice. But whether would you set off a nil nil on Boxing Day? I think I would. I think yeah, deep yeah. down, I probably would. I, I, mean, I mean, take I... point. Respect the point. Respect the point, as the phrase goes. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not going to shout for. I think would be brilliant, but I probably would take it. Both sides, both sides have 20 percent possession. Um, both sides have one shot on target, um, and um, yeah, xG of I don't know 0. 0.005 each. Um, but we both get the points and go home happy. What's the other 60 percent? Is that just the ref passing it to the line? Yeah, <laughs> the ball going. Morosa kicking the ball out of play. It's like the Monty oh, Python it's the sketch. Crowd. So the, yeah, it's the ball with the crowd. The philosopher thing with the Monty Python sketch, where they're they're, they're pondering their next move. Do you think, so think, think Cheltenham will be screwing everything down, or do you think even <laughs> Mickey Moore will even go to Cheltenham? <laughs> I think we moved on from that. I think he might be watching. In all seriousness, I, th I think Cheltenham have got over it. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. They probably looked at how we're doing and thought it's not that big a deal. No, no, <laughs> no. So. Again, thanks guys for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Um, I was always me, me and Glim were always hesitant to do podcasts after games because um, maybe we'd get too angry. But we're kind of subdued now from all the results and all the football. So yeah, here we are. Oh, this is the well. We struggled for time, didn't we? When we were going to get this podcast in. To be fair, um, I was maybe suggesting Christmas Eve as a joke, um, but that didn't that didn't land. A bit like you, Chris. <laughs> um, so yeah, here we are. We've done it. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dan and Chris, for joining me. Pleasure as always. I enjoyed it and hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. And cheers, guys, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you get lots of good Shrewsbury Town stuff in your stockings. Hey!